1: your kids lock
2: the doors you're listening to hr's most dangerous podcast chad soash and joel cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts
3: complete with
2: breaking news
3: rash opinion and loads of snark buckle up boys and girls it's time for the chad and cheese podcast oh yeah elon promised twitter won't be a free-for-all hellscape Lucky for you, this podcast will forever be a free-for-all hellscape. Hi, Jungin. You're listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast Does Europe. I'm your co-host, Joel Room 237 Cheeseman. I'm Chad, American werewolf in Portugal, Silwash.
4: So and I'm leaving not into Halloween funny business. Boo.
3: On this episode, a new Euro unicorn. Europe embraces for Indeed's new ad model and a little buy or sell. Let's do this.
0: Europe
2: has
4: a bunch of countries in it.
0: European, talent, intelligence. What does it mean? Imagine a world where it's easier for you to find and know your target group, where it's easier to recruit and attract the talent you need from a European talent pool. Every year, thousands of corporate recruiters, HR departments and intermediaries rely on Intelligence Group to make that dream a reality. Intelligence Group is the European market leader in recruitment talent intelligence with innovative dashboards and tailor-made research in 28 European countries. It is our job to empower you as a state-of-the-art data-driven recruitment business partner. Recruiting with data is great. Recruiting with Intelligence Group is better. Learn more about our services at intelligence-group.nl Intelligence Group, market leader in European talent intelligence.
2: Okay, so I got a comment. That's a nice All
3: Hallows' Eve t-shirt. It's scary, though, right? Is
2: is it Cheeseman original? That's a
3: question. This is a custom Cheeseman. Uh, (laughs) Maybe a Chad and Cheese original for next season. But, uh, yeah, I I put the names of some of the scariest things on a Mm -hmm. t-shirt. So I've got uh, Freddy Krueger. I've got Jason Voorhees, Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Michael Myers, and, of course, the scariest of all. Indeed, is at the bottom of you the cannot <laughs> You cannot leave. You cannot leave. Yikes. Yeah, that's what uh, they tell their companies when uh, they want to leave for the new ad model. But we will get to that in the show a little bit later. It's coming. Speaking of scary shit. Yeah. Uh, we learned that Levin is not a fan of the horror movies. Uh, he can't get through 10 minutes of The Shining. <laughs> Did you say horror, horror movies?
2: <laughs> I didn't, didn't say horror. Uh-huh. I thought said he said horror, horror.
4: Yes, because yes, I'm yes, a fan no. of horror movies.
2: <laughs> Best little whorehouse <laughs> yeah. in, in Texas. Yeah, yes, I'm sure you true. saw yes. that a few times. Yes. So, so, why couldn't you get past 10 minutes of The Shining? What, what, what the hell wow. stopped it for you?
4: I've just got a too vivid imagination. And I saw the little kid on the tricycle doing something scary in the hallway, like just using its tricycle. Mm -hmm. But I knew something was coming, and after 10 minutes, I I shut it down, and I went to bed. So I've never seen The Shining, and I've never tried again. Did you have an incident
2: when you were a kid, like on your big wheel? I mean, was that what scared you off?
4: (laughs) No, not even. Just, I know, cats cats are scary. (laughs)
3: Speaking of The Shining, guys, my uh, nickname was Room 237 today. Uh, A great documentary on The Shining, I think it's on Netflix, Mm -hmm. is called Room 237, which is the room in the movie. Uh, I won't ruin the movie, but that is a famous room number of the film. Uh, If you're into, like, Stanley Kubrick and conspiracy theories, did we actually land on the moon, all kinds of good stuff, in the documentary Room 237. Nice. Okay, so, Cheeseman, what's your favorite scary movie yeah mine's gonna be pretty lame but if I put it into context I think it might make sense for you so doubt, my doubt my that. mine is Jaws okay the reason why Chad Good you movie. and I are the same age mm-hmm. uh, Jaws came out in 76 yep uh, you and I were five years old I may have saw it <laughs> when I was six when it came out but it was before PG-13 movies it was not an R movie because the booby in the nude scene was uh, behind uh, Shade or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my dad, for whatever reason, thought it was a good idea that my sister, who's five years <laughs> older, take me <laughs> to the to the educational film Jaws. Uh, yes. By the way, there was no National Geographic. There was no Discovery Channel. I didn't know what a shark was. Uh, I knew kind of what a dinosaur was. And then I saw this movie where this thing eats people. I was totally traumatized for a decade. Uh, going into pools was a thing. Lakes were scary. I could hardly walk through puddles without getting a little nervous. Uh, I would have nightmares thinking my bed was on the ocean. It was just really traumatic. So Jaws for me, even though it's totally lame at my age now was a total emotional carnage inducing movie when I was five or six years old. And still wetting the bed today because of it. Yes. Still oceaning the bed. Yes. That's what, that's what mommy called it.
4: <laughs> oceaning the bed.
3: <laughs> mommy dearest. And Did you yep. ocean the bed again, son? Oh, my God. Okay. Let's try to get out of this fast. How about your movie? No, 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 no. You're not getting off that fast. Okay. Favorite, f- favorite horror film. Okay. So uh, uh, the
2: original 1968 Night of mm-hmm. the Living Dead. I love that movie. It is amazing. It is definitely a classic. Uh, 1968. They had color back then, but the entire thing was was in black and white. But it's if you haven't seen it, you've definitely got to spend some time watching the, the Night of the Living Dead. Not the remake, by the way. Really
3: kind of the bridge between the old cheesy mummy, you know, mm-hmm. werewolf movies to like present day really scariest shit the kind Bela of Lugosi. Yes. Yes, like like Ab and Costello meet uh, the, the drag whatever werewolf whatever. and then their whole series of Ab and Costello movies Dracula where they meet Dracula and, and the werewolf and shit and yeah, oh god alright yeah. Jesus let's get to shout outs before shout we go outs. off go off on a real tangent you here. first alright uh, I'm gonna go first my first shout out and uh, you know me I love the Canadian Canadian news stories so this is a bridge between Canada and France it's a Canadian European love story if Francais. you will Chad Van- Vancouver based people analytics and workforce planning platform vizier that's spelled v-i-s-i-e-r i -I I thought it might be vizier because of visage i think it uh, is and it is it is kind of french canadian although vancouver doesn't acquaint much with them anyway they've acquired the french-based company boosters that's boosters without the e they're an api focused skills mapping engine founded Mm -hmm. back in 2017 terms were not disclosed but i'm sure a lot of loonies Came into play on this acquisition. <laughs> Vizier was has taken on tens or ten of Boosters employees who will continue working in Paris. Uh, what is now a Vizier satellite office. Uh, Vizier also operates in France, Germany, UK, Canada, and the US. In July of twenty one, Vizier became the first Canada based HR tech unicorn. Ooh. You know what that means, Chad? Mm-hmm. That means I get to play. Oh, oh, yes. That's right. The first in Canada when it raised $125 million USD in Series E, mm-hmm. totaling $216.5 mm-hmm. million in funding. They have quite an appetite. By the way, listeners may remember they acquired Eva.ai back in May, so I suspect there are more European companies on their radar. Shout out to Vizier. Our friends from the great white north. And the company they acquired, Boosters, their URL already
2: redirects to Vizier. (laughs) It was quick, man. It was quick. I'm going to shout out to the Dutch. I'm sure this is exactly what Levin was thinking about. Uh, Okay, so check this shit out chat to a company located in florida hired a telemarketer in the, in the netherlands the company demanded the employee turn on his webcam while working what when the employee didn't comply with being monitored via webcam for nine hours a day he was fired for quote unquote refusal to work and insubordination The employee took Chetu to court, horrible fucking name for a company, by the way, Chetu, in the Netherlands for unfair dismissal, and the court found in his favor, which includes Chetu paying for court costs, back wages, paid for unused vacation days, a fine of $50,000, and in order to remove the employees, the non-compete clause. Uh, Here in America, we know Florida's going to Florida, but Chetu and other american companies won't be pressing this kind of bullshit in europe big shout out to the
3: dutch for sticking it to florida love it and i (laughs) i also heard that they uh utilized jeffrey Tubin's legal team on this case (laughs) all right Levin, what's your shout out
4: shout out to elon musk of course of
3: course jesus
4: (laughs) of course your boy if Musk says, I'm going to buy a stupid company for $30 billion, then he buys a stupid company for $40 <laughs> He's forced I mean, to, yes. <laughs> well, okay, maybe he had second thoughts, but in the end he bought it. So Musk is a man of his word. But what I found intriguing was the first thing he did after saying he's going to fire like 75% of all employees. But the first thing he did was trying to make some money out of it. And now he wants to make users pay if they want to have a verified account. So from now on, it will be part of Twitter Blue, you know, the little blue, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? Check sign. Yep. It's a paid service. And it used to be $5 a month. If you want to be a verified user, it will cost you ninety-nine nine dollars a month. So mm-hmm. I guess inflation is a bitch. But uh, <laughs> he's going to make you pay if you want to be famous, which I kind of like.
3: So does that mean you're, are you already paying for the blue check, Levin?
4: No, but I think now I need one
3: yeah yeah how about you chad
4: <laughs> if it doesn't come free i want one
2: i don't need a blue jack i
3: i, I definitely don't i'm on the fence i'm on the fence i think it'll <laughs> boost your your tweets i think i I'm think sure elon's gonna do some interesting things so obviously leave and loves the deal oh uh, yeah we're gonna play a little buy or sell later chad if Ooh. you're playing buy or sell elon buying twitter uh turning around the company are you a buyer sell on elon taking over you know it's amazing you see a guy like elon
2: musk who comes up with tesla and spacex and he just he, he's so amazing and innovative and then you see stupid shit like this and you're like who the fuck is this guy right <laughs> yeah. i mean he, he could have legitimately just focused on things that change the world and then he's focusing on stupid shit like the prospect of allowing donald trump trump back on twitter <laughs> which i don't think is going to happen i think he's mainly doing it just for the media piece of it uh but yeah i'm <laughs> i'm gonna sell twitter I mean, oh, I'm, a... I'm at the point right now where i'm just waiting for more stupid shit to happen and then i'm just going to deactivate my account or go numb on it or whatever the fuck it is but i
3: mean it's just it's it's kind of stupid <laughs> go uh, numb on it chad go numb on it so i'm in leaving camp. this one this one's a buy for me all right so if if we can go back in the time machine, you'll remember that when I when we first talked about this, I said Elon is going to get this deal done. He's going to let Trump back on the platform. Uh, Fox News is going to celebrate this. Every GOP <laughs> candidate is going, love, is going to love Elon Musk. It's going to turn into parlor. There's going to be a Republican back in the White House, or at least that's what the bet is, in 24. We're going to have a Republican House. And watch the government contracts for electric cars. Uh, the Boring Company, uh, Satellites, Skylink, Solar Panels, all these businesses that Elon owns are going to get major government contracts. And this $44 billion is going to look like a drop in the bucket in terms of the profits that Elon is going to make outside of Twitter, let alone what the hell he can do with Twitter, which, you know, there is some money there. But I think in the bigger picture, Elon's businesses as a whole is going to rake in the cash. And that's one of the reasons why he bought Twitter
2: and yeah. so what you're saying is he's pretty much buying politicians with buying Twitter, which is the, the standard. Welcome, the to, America, yes, Welcome yes. to America, Chad. Welcome to America. I know you've
3: been gone for a couple of weeks,
4: but uh, this is how we do shit.
2: I think I'm going to stay.
4: <laughs> I think I'm going to sell after all. <laughs> um, you know, I, I never really liked the company Twitter, and I thought it was just going to let it go broke.
3: You're changing your mind? No. Yeah, nah, no, nah. no. No, no. Leave nah. Come on. No, no,
4: I, I still like Elon. I just don't like Twitter. All right. All right. That's a thing. Well, it's speaking
3: thing. of Chad in Portugal, yes. what kind of travel schedule do we have coming up? Oh, dude, I'm going to the Web Summit this week. Uh, Keith
2: Sonderling, our our friend and and podcasts commissioner one of the commissioners of the eeoc and he's speaking in lisbon this week at the biggest technology conference in the year had no fucking clue i'm actually going to see gert jan and about 50 dutchmen uh there as well he has a huge contingent that's coming from the intelligent group intelligence group and around uh the netherlands and then also martin lentz from Austria or a buddy from uh, a We can't even say that right. Um, yep. But they're bringing people as well. So
3: it's, it's going to be a, a big party and I can't wait. Good God. You're fancy now. What's next? <laughs> you in meetings and Davos. Like, I just, I can't fucking.
1: It!
3: All right, boys, let's talk about, let's talk about factorial. Fact what? A Barcelona, a Barcelona, Spain based provider of an HR software. They've raised $120 million in series fee funding, which officially makes them, you guessed it, a unicorn.
4: At a $1 billion
3: valuation, that's right. Founded in 2016, the company intends to use the funds to expand and improve its functionalities and strengthen itself in the existing markets of Spain, the U.K., the U.S., Germany, Italy, Portugal, France, Mexico, and Brazil as well as open up a new office in Miami and expand into new markets worldwide They claim to serve more than 7,000 businesses in 65 plus countries and employee 800 workers in offices in Brazil Mexico and Spain. Yep Sounds like a unicorn to me. All right Levin, What's your take on? Factorial
4: I think I like him I looked into them and I gave them some thoughts and I think I like them. And the reason why is because they claimed in their uh, press release, our market share is ridiculously small. And that's a, something we, what, which caught my attention. I mean, most people claim, and uh, they try to 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 make their company look bigger when they try to get venture capital, but uh, they said our market share is ridiculously small, but the good thing is we only have 7,000 customers. We could potentially sell it to 10 million. After looking into it, I actually agree. It's a nice company and given their main uh, market is Spain, they're Spanish-speaking, the Spanish-speaking countries are huge and they're mostly green fields. I mean, if you look at uh, most of South America, it's a growing continent, they're Spanish-speaking and if they aim at that market, I definitely am a believer. And there is, it's like a blue ocean totally. There are many companies focusing there with an HR technology. So I think it's it could be a good idea.
2: Yeah, I got to see SMB or SME, as we call it here in Europe. Mm. It's a bitch, man. And we talk about this just about every week. You have to spend tons of cash just to gain awareness, market penetration, And that's even harder in Europe. The EU has 24 official languages. So you're trying to penetrate the small to medium-sized market in several countries and in several languages. And yet, you're also going to try to invade the United States. All of that at the same time, kids. Now, just let that digest for a minute because here's an even bigger problem. Vendors like Oyster have also expanded into the employer of record business along with deal remote Atlas and other unicorns so I don't see EOR services anywhere on their site meaning they are at an extreme disadvantage as those medium-sized businesses want to be bigger and they want to hire remote across borders I know we're, we're, we're not in the buy or sell segment but I'm hearing warning bells all over to the go-to-market mm-hmm. strategy and would be running for the hills and des- definitely
3: not investing in this organization yeah (laughs) i do think it's fair that we can throw uh factorial in the big swing and dicks in europe uh category with personio (laughs) and high bob i think that's fair to do uh, at this Mm -hmm. point um i think personio's got a really nice laser focus on europe i think high bob Wants to be in the U.S. They're really focused there. Uh, decent presence uh, throughout Europe. Chad mentioned all of the U.S. names. Deal Oyster, Velocity Global. <clears throat> others that are just like great footprint. Uh, have gotten, you know, I guess the smart money. This feels a lot like the following money. Sort of the dumb money that's coming into this space. Mm-hmm. I do agree with Levin that I think that, uh, that South America and Spanish-speaking parts of the globe, if they can sort of unlo- unlock that, that there isn't a lot of opportunity and I don't think that we have uh, companies that are really focused on on that niche. So I do think that with that many potential customers, that they can get a nice little foothold into the Spanish speaking world. Uh, hit South America. I think they're wasting their time in America. Uh, opening up in Miami sounds fun, and maybe it's a bridge to expensive. South America. Expensive, yeah, expensive, yeah. But it is a nice bridge to South America as well as keeping a foothold in Europe, which I'm sure their investors like and a lot of their customers might uh, be open to them being a U.S.-based or have a, a operations in the U.S. So for this one, if we were playing buy or sell, I'm going to go with an applause for facto to make some, make some waves in South America and the Spanish-speaking countries. Well, let's take a quick break because that was a lot of talk about horror movies and Ooh. unicorns. When we come back, we will play some official, real buy or sell. Everyone deserves their best job. That's what Fiji stands for. We make a big difference for independent recruiters with the strength of our fast-growing recruiter network. At Fiji, you can be your best self and work for the company you'd like whenever and wherever. We support you with the best digital and online recruitment marketing we offer professional business
1: development support, recruitment specialist training, and a bit of rebellious network meetings. Let's join strengths and help more professionals find the job they love. Celebrate recruitment and join Fiji at fygi.nl.
3: All right, boys, let's play a little buy or sell. You know how it's played, but our listeners may not. We pick out three companies that have recently gotten some funding. We summarize the news, and then each of us buys or sells the company. Are you guys ready to play a little buy or sell? Yes. All right, let's talk about Jomigo. What? The Berlin-based Jomigo has raised 10 million euros from an investment from Berlin-based VC IBB Ventures founded in 2020 Jomigo assists businesses and freelance recruiters in mutually benefiting uh, from what each other has to offer. The company wants to make actively recruiting specialized profiles easier, faster, and more modern in sync with new talent generations and the gig economy. Jomigo will use the funds to further develop and scale up their B2B recruitment marketplace. Jomigo employs 41 workers. That's according to LinkedIn. Leavin', Levin, are you buy or sell Jomigo?
4: Hmm. This is actually a business we know pretty well because one of our companies, Fiji, is doing something similar. You're um, matching recruiters with opportunities at companies, with vacancies at companies. And the first thing which I really liked about uh, Jomigo was they're matching you with three different independent recruiters and they will work together or independently. I don't know, but they will all three be working at your vacancy. and. This way, reducing the time to hire in like twice. That's what I claim. the, The idea is nice, having three different recruiters working on the same case, but it's also a very big problem to me because you don't have a clue who those recruiters are and they're going to use the name of your company for their recruitment. Those people are, um, they have 20 different nationalities. So basically they're from all over the globe. You don't know who they are and they're going to call someone and saying, hi, I'm um, he or her from this company and they're going to start talking. And that could be kind of a problem. What about the discrimination? What's if they misuse your name? I'm not sure. So that's something I find rather uh, dangerous. They focus on tech, marketing, sales, basically specialized recruitment stuff pretty easy but should be should work i think for the recruiters it's easy it's hassle free no need to do your sales you just get the uh the the vacancies and you try to find someone for the companies i see some problems but i like the idea it's a difficult one but i think i would buy and nice to know i had some thoughts about their uh, pricing uh, system. So I mailed the company a few hours ago and um, they replied and they said, okay, it's a 23% hiring fee out of the total annual salary, which I think is a lot for a platform. But still, if people are willing to pay, why not? It's a buy.
3: All right, that's a buy from Levin. All right, all right. Chad, who you, what do you got on uh, Jomigo? tell me, Uh so only one of the founders seemed to have
2: any experience in the people space. So that's pretty thin, obviously. Until you dig deeper and see that their investors are heavily experienced in the space, which tells me two things. Number one, experienced staffing people don't just throw money at three dudes with an idea, especially staffing professionals. Number two, recruiting is missing one main ingredient in driving explosive growth, and that's the ability to scale. And if you can find tech that can help you scale and cut headcount, you have a winner. So staffing and consulting experts in the mix as investors, they've been bootstrapping so that they haven't taken a lot of money. And you've got to remember that if staffing professionals get behind your product, it's not an aspirational investment like we see with most of HR tech. It's a business decision. They've sharpened their pencils, they've created pivot tables, and they have to see this as a real opportunity. And if the experts in the German staffing market are behind it, then it's a buy for me.
3: All right, two buys for Joe Migo. All right, guys, this to me sounds like a new bounty jobs or maybe a scout, uh, which, by the way, pulled in $100 million in funding from TRI Ventures mm-hmm. uh, back a couple of years ago, which is also now connected to, or which was uh, which was connected to Aquint which now looks like they own uh, Scout. I did find that uh, it was 10 million euros in terms of what Jomigo had raised. I assume that's correct. Uh, So this is more or less a flyer on something that can garner $100 million in funding, Um, even if they just create a nice footprint in Europe. uh, To me, it's an incredibly good opportunity and a good flyer to have a business like this in Europe. Levin has a better sense of sort of customer appetite uh, for these kinds of things, but if he's on board and it sounds like uh, he is, then to me, ten million euros on a business like this seems like a no-brainer. Uh, I'm ready to call Joe Migo my amigo, everybody, and I'm going to buy <laughs> the company out of Berlin. Nice. Uh, All right, let's talk about ESOP. Not to be confused with Aesop, Fables, uh, which a lot of Europeans know. So anyway, uh, the Paris-France-based startup uh, that allows U.S.-based companies to grant equity to international hires has raised $2.5 million in seed funding. The company intends to use funds to further invest in product development, to build the team, and expand into new markets. Customers can currently offer and manage equity incentives to employees, contractors, and advisors in some 50 countries, and five million dollars is currently being managed among a small group of beta users of the product. Leven, are you a buy or sell on ESOP?
4: I am most definitely a buy on ESOP, and just because I know how hard it is to get all these things arranged. I mean, in Europe, you always say in a bunch of countries, legislation is a bitch concerning mm-hmm. tax and tax instruments. And we just had an exit at House of HR. And I know I I was very glad I wasn't part of the legal or the financial team because those people still are working (laughs) literally day and night to get all those paperwork done. So yesterday evening at at 11 in the evening, I got a mail from someone from finance during the weekend uh, with some documents he needed me to sign. And in return, I would get a shitload of money. Okay, I always (laughs) love it when people send me documents, if they give me a return, (laughs) you know. But I felt sorry for the guy, if he had to do that at 11 o'clock in the evening. It's so a hustle. And I think ESOP, I looked into them, if they can actually make it happen, if they offer a platform, and if they can enable SMEs to offer their own employees those stocks, that would be great. Also from a a just emotional point of view, I mean, if this will encourage startups to share equity with their employees, that's a very good thing Mm -hmm. and it will make it easier. So it will happen more often, which I like. So definitely a buy.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised and, and, and glad that uh, that that leaving went this way because I love when you can see people spot holes in the market. the The big question here is: Is it too early? You know, are these guys going to suffer the slings and arrows of the of the discoverers? You know, the the first ones on the field. Uh, and you know, personally, I'm going to go back to the names that I that I mentioned before: Deal, Oyster, Remote. Atlas. These are all companies with a lot of fucking money. And what are they looking for right now? They're looking for a point of differentiation and they're not finding it. I mean, they're pretty much the all, all the same platform at this point with different names, different, you know, a, a bigger booths, those types of things. They need to be able to look for organizations like this, which have only taken two point five million dollars. So it would be cheap with the kind of cash that they have. So I see ESOP actually being acquired within 12 months by one of these organizations, which is an easy ad Um for a, a deal or a remote or Atlas, so this is definitely a buy for me.
3: No, oh, there it is, folks. Two buys. We are a we are a beneficent group this, this <laughs> week. Um, look, there are a lot of residual businesses that have been created out of the work from home phenomenon, and the 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 means by which you can manage equity to employees you know, it's grown into the same complicated issue, right? You can't just say, hey, we're headquartered in San Francisco. Everyone's in San Francisco. So all the equity is managed uh, through a U.S.-based provider, and it, it's fairly simple. Now you have people in multiple countries that are employees or one equity. Um, you want to be able to grant equity to those folks. Uh, Carta right now is, I guess, the, the brand name that everyone thinks of in terms of this service. Uh, if you're not familiar with Carta, uh, they've received over a billion dollars in funding, so so there's there's ample room to say that there's some money in this business, and that there's incredible opportunity uh, to take a 2.5 million dollar flyer on ESOP just to be able to create a, a brand that says, "Hey, we'll help you manage your international markets." There are a lot of people that don't know what the fuck Carta is. There are a lot of startups created every day that can that can embrace uh, this service. So for me, like. Uh, it's a huge buy. I think it's uh, an incredible business, and there will be competitors that we'll be talking about uh, in the future as well. So three <laughs> buys for ESOP. Let's, let's see if Innate garners the same kind of uh, vivacity from the group. The Cheltenham, easy for me to say, maybe it's next to Wrexham, uh, UK-based <laughs> digital workforce management platform Innate, has raised £2 million in a funding round to fuel the company's expansion across the UK and beyond. Innate software product is designed to manage hybrid workforces of digital and in-person workers. The platform can be used by enterprises to manage workflows and provides data insights into company performances. The company raised £2.2 million in an earlier funding round back in May of 2020 Leven, are you a buy or sell on Innate?
4: I'm a sell. Definitely a sell. After being very excited about Aesop, I looked at Innate uh, and it was utterly boring. And I thought it's like 13 in a dozen. And after watching their website for five minutes, I still couldn't figure out exactly what are were doing differently than other companies. Yeah. And I just didn't feel like getting more information. So I thought let's sell we already have two buys
3: that's a sell from Levin. chad yeah
2: like Levan, i almost fell asleep reading the description on the homepage. uh when yeah. you're talking about <laughs> business automation it should be exciting i mean everything that we talk about uh, around automation is exciting and these guys make automation sound boring and and, and here's yep. here's and here's here's an example quote Innate has been at the forefront of championing the value of process orchestration software, which is reflected in the richness of its technology for the hybrid workforce and the fact they are one of the very few providers
3: who can evidence process <laughs>
4: troll them out, troll them out.
3: Is this a sell? I'm very confused whether or not you like this company or not. I'm, I'm gonna go with confused. a cell. I'm gonna go with a cell. Oh, right, it's a cell, it's a sell. All right, It's two cells. <laughs> Yes, the most exciting part about this company is that they are from Cheltenham, UK. I guess I'm saying that correctly. Ah. The site, if yeah, we're all we're all looking at the website. They might want to redo their website. All right, the site claims, "quote, solve the talent crisis. Empowering business uni- users to deliver their own solutions means that technology talent can focus on extraordinary digital customer experiences and accelerate through the backlog of work across old systems." <laughs> Really? That solves the talent crisis. Well, thank God for that because we've all been trying to figure that out. But has uh, oh, apparently figured it out. Worst marketers ever. I go to the pricing page and I get, quote, the page you are looking for is not found, end quote. All right. Call, call me when these guys are ready for prime time because Cheltenham, UK, apparently is not ready for prime time. This is a big <laughs> sell from me as well.
1: Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube.
2: Are you looking to buy this one? That's the question.
3: Are we talking about Indeed? Yes. Okay. All right. All right, guys. Interested to hear Levin's take on this. So listeners of our weekly show know about Indeed's new advertising model, but here's a refresher. Uh, In 2023, employers using Indeed will pay only when a candidate starts or submits an application rather than when they click on a job ad, as is currently the case. Indeed says the main advantage of a pay-per-applicant model over a pay-per-click model is the reduction of unqualified, uninterested, and even fraudulent clicks that the employer pays for. With the new model, the employer pays only for what is truly wanted, a qualified candidate. That's according to LinkedIn, of course. Sounds great, right? Well, maybe or maybe not, especially when we're talking about the European market. Levin, I can't wait to hear your take on Indeed's new pricing strategy.
4: My first impression was this doesn't make sense at all, so I must have been missing something. And I reread the whole sentence again, and I'll read it aloud. Employers will pay more for this upgraded experience as the value of a legitimate candidate is higher than that of lots of unidentified <laughs> clicks but in the long run paper application will save employers money as recruiters can zero in on more quality candidates faster mm-hmm. okay so look at this so basically you used to pay per click and then at the end you got a shitload of bad candidates but now and then one was okay and now instead of paying per click you pay per candidate but it's not like this is going to change anything i mean you still get a shitload of bad candidates uh-huh. and only now you have to pay for those bad candidates will make it a which will make it a very annoying experience for me and what they say about um fighting fraud this is ridiculous as well i mean this will encourage frauds pay-per-click was like 30 cents per click or something but now how much will they charge per application i mean 15 euros maybe more for 15 euros i can write a python script which will totally send bullshit applications to my competitors constantly, on, and for €15 Euros, um, per applicant this is worth my, my time so this will encourage fraud 10 cents per click I want, but uh, €50 Euros per applicant, okay 10 applicants, €150 Euros, 365 days a year, it might cost them some money, so I think I am I just, I, I think I must be missing out on something, those people aren't stupid, but they weren't able to convince me so should Probably it's me. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I don't think I don't think it's you, Lehman. Dude, they, think they gave you. it
2: they gave it a different name, but it's literally the same shit. There's nothing different here, kids. And, and as we as we look at Indeed and their their evil mastery of this industry, uh, they've no, they've they've been able to over the years do whatever they want and companies continue to pay. It doesn't matter what the freight is. Right. So they're they're on this sugar high of being able to do whatever they want and, and knowing that companies are going to pay for it so to be able to say that the applications the people who actually finish the applications uh which we know is less than 10 percent who actually start are going to be more qualified that's total bullshit you can't you can't predict that as a matter of fact the people that uh go all the way through the apply are not going to be the most talented why because they don't have time to go through that application process but yet remember this is a started application This has nothing to do with a completed application, so you're still going to pay for incomplete shit as well. I mean, this is, to me, again, a masterclass on evil recruiting vendors when it comes to Indeed. They are the best of it. They are the best at being evil and doing shit and and just calling it something
4: different. It's nothing different.
3: Evil genius, I think, was the term he used on the weekly show. Yeah,
4: I don't see why the quality of the applicants would improve by changing the monetization model because that's basically that's what they're doing—just changing monetization. Yes, Yes. this this won't have an impact at all on the quality of the applicants. It's weird.
3: Well, what's worse, I think, Levin, you you talked about this, right? So back in the days where there was a flat fee for job postings, Mm -hmm. people knew they were going to get a lot of shit candidates, right? And then pre-screening occurred, and there are ways that like people got used to it. And then pay-per-click, it's like you know I'm going to get ten to twenty percent shitty candidates, but I know that I'm I'm not paying a lot per click, so that's sort of in my in mm-hmm. my algorithm or or my math for what I'm paying for. When people start paying. 20 40 50 dollars for these crap applications (laughs) you're going to see you know the the pitchforks and the fire start because people are not going to be real happy about that shit and he's going to get a lot of calls around i'm not paying for this these applicants these are shit and they're gonna have to deal with that but that's their problem but that you raise a really good point in that um people are gonna have to to expect people to get their head around 20 40 50 plus dollars for an applicant that's bullshit uh, they're not going to be real happy about it versus paying 20, 30, 40 cents a click. Well,
2: well, first, let's talk about Europe, though. Let's talk about Europe. Europe has not fully embraced PPC, pay-per-click, and now they're moving toward pay-per-application, right? So, Levin, your thoughts on Europe because they haven't even fully embraced PPC yet. What I mean, now they're getting thrown a, a huge curveball with PPA,
4: no, at first glance, it's a normal evolution from paper credit to paper per click to paper applicant. It's mm-hmm. only getting better, but <laughs> uh, it, it should be like that. But but it's not right. Pay- when when you paper click and you get shitty applicants, the company like indeed could say, okay, it's because people click on your ads, but for some weird reason they didn't want to apply. Hmm. Now, when you pay per applicant, you actually see the value you have to throw away shit shitty applicants people want to it they definitely want it will suddenly stand out more how much a bad applicant costs you pay-per-click yes yeah but indeed it's like they click on your vacancy and they see the the text they see the the whole vacancy and if people just don't apply well it's because your vacancy was bad you could sell it like that Mm -hmm. but now when you have to pay for shitty applicants you can't blame the company people apply and it's just the wrong kind of people. I don't pay for the wrong kind of people applying, so I think candididas and they might have to reconsider.
2: So that being yeah. said, reconsider, do we think that this is going to last a year to 18 months before they have to step back and go back to maybe a different new version of PPC that is, uh, that, that is just a l- more cost effective?
4: I don't know. if they actually succeed in upgrading the experience and, and making the candidates' quality bigger, why not? This is, this, this is not
3: just the tip. When they, when they make a move like this, this is all in, dude. They are Meta style Zuckerberg. We're Ooh. all in with this model. And, uh, you know, it may, it may deep six them like Meta, who knows. But I don't see them walking back from this. You know, two perspectives from a European uh, standpoint is, I think although uh, programmatic is new to Europe, mm-hmm. it's coming. Uh, mm-hmm. We'll remember StepStone acquired uh, AppCast for $79 million, which, by the way, looks like the steel of a century um, yes. at this point. Uh, yeah. AppCast could have held out for a lot more than $79 million, but that's a different, different program. Look, programmatic is coming in a pay-per-click world where Indeed is competing with a greater platform, a greater ecosystem of, of cost efficiency, which is programmatic. They have a really hard time competing in that world, and they would rather pivot to something brand new that confuses the marketplace, that obfuscates, you know, what they're doing, uh, creates more of a black box to what they're doing. is is smart when they see that programmatic is coming uh, to Europe in the way that we do on this show. The other thing I think that is maybe being discounted as far as Europe and maybe the global economy as a whole is is LinkedIn here. LinkedIn is in China. Uh, I think we can all agree that would we be surprised that China boots out every U.S. tech company on the planet in the next 12 months. I don't think anyone would be shocked. That's a lot of money that LinkedIn has to make up. And in doing so, they're going to be looking at, I don't know, democratic countries where there's rule of law, where they're they're safe to do business. Mm -hmm. To me, I really see LinkedIn coming into Europe much stronger than they have in the past uh linkedin is a pay-per-click model uh that's going to compete with indeed and i don't think i don't think indeed wants that smoke in europe so the the combination the one-two punch of programmatic and i think linkedin getting a lot more serious about europe uh has indeed scared to death and i think that spurred let's agree a desperate move to go to this paper acquisition model and it is halloween so therefore this would be a a great time to be scared to death <laughs> i'm scared but i love you guys i love halloween <laughs> have some candy europe a- god damn it it's a fun holiday dress up and and watch the shining for god's sakes
4: mm-hmm.
3: i'm not here to hurt you i'm just here to bash your fucking head in <laughs> we out we, we out, out.